0: good morning welcome to church this morning thank you for joining us here online and we are going live this morning so if you have somebody um, that's gonna manage the keyboard we would love to be interacting with you throughout this service i have a really really exciting announcement coming at the end and that is all of our dates for gathering live. So make sure that you join us right through this service um, because you're not gonna wanna miss all of those dates and how to join us live starting very, very soon. Well today, We're going to be jumping back into Hebrews. So go ahead and grab your Bible, wherever you have it. Um, If that's on your phone or a smart device, that's great. If it's a paper Bible, go ahead and grab that. And if you do not have a Bible, head over to myevangel.church.org forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And there are some links there where you can get a Bible for your phone or smart device, but there's also a form there. And if you fill that out, we would love to get you a paper Bible because we just think that the Bible changes your life. When was the last time that you MacGyvered a solution in your life? Um, As I'm talking, there are going to be some pictures coming up on the screen of some hilarious attempts to come up with a makeshift or a stopgap solution. And that reminds me that if anyone knows where that term stopgap comes from, please let me know. Uh, There was a whole bunch of speculation online, but I couldn't find the origin of that phrase, stopgap. But the definition is a temporary way of dealing with a problem or satisfying a need. And I truly hope that these solutions that you are seeing are stopgaps and are not going to become the permanent solution. And if you have a story of when you kind of MacGyvered something, when you created a stopgap, why don't you type that into the chat so we can have a little bit of fun with it this morning. And I'd love to read all of those stories following our service. Well, we come up with some stopgap solutions for a myriad of reasons, don't we? Maybe we just don't have the money for a fix right now, and so we have to come up with a creative solution in the meantime, or maybe uh, time and resources are against us. We're stuck in the middle of nowhere and a storm is rolling in, and so we have to rely on our resilience Or maybe you just want to see if you are up to the challenge of coming up with a stopgap and seeing what you can allow your creative juices to come up with. But stopgaps are all part of our life. And I love Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glue helps me to create so many stopgaps in the Mitchell home. And as I was reading through this next portion of Hebrews, I couldn't help just being reminded once again of how the law, the Old Covenant, was a stopgap. It was temporary. God put it in place until his ultimate solution, Jesus, was ready and his restoration that Jesus brought could be made permanent. And over the last couple of months, we've been walking back and forth from the early days of humanity um, through Abraham and the law given there and Melchizedek and Moses, All the way through to Jesus' death and resurrection and what he's doing now in present day. And we've been comparing and contrasting all of this. And we're going to do that again this morning. We're going to be covering a really large section of scripture this morning. So fasten your seatbelt. Get ready to go with me. We're going to start in Hebrews 7 verse 11. Hebrews 7.11, and that might make you want a Slurpee, it makes me want a Slurpee, but we're going to go all the way through to the end of chapter 8. Hebrews 7.11, all the way through to the end of chapter 8, let's read this together. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, Built on, or but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath. When God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect for ever. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon be disappear. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for your word. That is truth. And God, we just pray right now that you, the spirit of truth, would reveal to us who you are, that you would reveal to us the freedom that is found in you in this new covenant. And God, this morning, would you urge us on to pursuing a relationship with you, to looking more and more like you. God, would you allow those words that are just born of myself to float away, but would your words, your truth, spirit of truth, would those sink in because you change hearts and lives in your precious name. Amen. Well, we've been looking backwards a lot as to how Jesus fits into this role as our high priest and understanding how he's the extension of what has been this Levitical law, this Levitical priesthood, how Jesus fulfills everything that has been provided to us in the law with all these sacrifices to have that provision for a relationship with God. In fact, Jesus himself tells us that this is part of his mission here on earth in Matthew 517. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we've been looking at that, how Jesus fulfills that. But we've also been looking into this reality of who Jesus is as fully God and fully man, as our sacrifice, our atoning sacrifice, and as our high priest. We've been looking at who the Messiah is, and we kind of come to this place today in Hebrews 7 and 8, where we get to dive a little bit deeper into the, well, why and the now what, into this contrast between the stopgap and the permanent solution, And to really kind of, again, understand this, we have to go backwards. We can't just um, take everything just piece by piece, verse by verse. We have to look in this context of the whole of Scripture. We have to go back to Eden with Adam and Eve when relationship with God was broken and sin entered the world. And right there in that moment, God promised that He was going to restore what had been broken, that He was going to redeem all that had been destroyed. And we fast forward and we see God um, having relationship with different people. And if we fast forward a little bit more, we see Moses. And we see this fledgling nation of Israel that has been saved from slavery. They've been rescued out of Egypt. And God gives them this law. And it's this way to have a relationship with him. There's this elaborate system of sacrifices, this elaborate system of pomp and ceremony that allows for this absolution this temporary moment of resolution for their sin in hebrews 7 verses 18 and 19 says the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to god and that's kind of what the law was like it wasn't perfect I want you to think of it like putting a child in a mud puddle, okay? You know what happens when you put a child in a mud puddle. There's mud everywhere. And the deal is that before they can eat, they have to be clean. Well, there are a couple of options. But let's say, for our example, we leave them in the mud puddle. And when they want a snack, we just turn on the hose and we give them a quick spray down. We hose off their hands. We In our terms, clean them off so they can have a snack. Well, they're clean for like five seconds because they're still in a mud puddle. They've satisfied the agreement. They are clean. They have their snack, but they're not going to be able to stay clean in the mud puddle. In order to get another snack, in order to eat again, they're going to have to come and be hosed off over and over and over and over again. That's what the law was like. It was this temporary cleansing. It could satisfy the agreement for like five seconds, but we are still in the mud. The law couldn't offer that permanent solution. It couldn't pick up that child and carry them inside to a nice warm bubble bath where they would be completely cleansed, but also indoors, (laughs) no longer in that mud. The law was needed. It was the stopgap. It was the temporary solution. But the permanent solution was coming. It was waiting until the time was right for Jesus to come and make a way and bring that permanent option. The law was only needed for a short time. I mean, thousands of years, but for a short time until the permanent way, until the new covenant that Jesus was going to bring was arrived. In Hebrews 8, verses 13, it says, by calling this covenant new, He has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. You see, Jesus didn't just come to perfect the stopgap. He came to bring something completely different. This new word, covenant is new in quotations, is kinos. And it kind of means um, a new kind, unprecedented, unheard of. God wasn't just tweaking what had been. God wasn't just plussing it. He wasn't going through and going, you know, we could just change this here and leave that and do this. He was bringing something entirely different to the table. Not just changing a system. Not just perfecting something that already was. Jesus was bringing kainos covenants to us. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law in his death. And resurrection on the cross. He became our atoning sacrifice once and for all. He completely fulfilled the law. And in that same moment, he ended it. The word here for obsolete is oftenismos. And it's a word that would be used to abolish a law. Like if a government said, you know what? That law is outdated, and we're no longer going to police it, and we're no longer going to prosecute people for breaking it. We're just going to abolish it. From this moment on, that law doesn't exist. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Wait a second. Right just a few minutes ago in Matthew, we just heard Jesus saying that he changed the law. He came to fulfill it. What's going on here? And you're right if you picked up on that. Good job. But the word that Jesus used for abolish the law is kataluo, and it has a little bit of a different meaning. It would be to render useless or to press pause, like, you know what, I'm tired. We're going to stop that for the night, and we're going to pick up again in the morning. And Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm not here to render the law useless. No. There was a place for the law. The law allowed us to have relationship with God. Jesus isn't saying, you know what? We're just going to throw that all out the window. Forget about it. No, Jesus didn't come to render the law useless. He came to fulfill it perfectly and precisely. And in that act of fulfilling it, he made every other sacrifice completely unneeded. He was the perfection of the law. And in his death on the cross, he allowed a new covenant to come, one that would no longer um, be constrained by third parties, one that would no longer be constrained by specific times of the year and specific locations. No, this was something new and unheard of, a relationship with God that was offered freely. The law didn't have to be perfect because it was the stopgap. It was never meant to last. It was the plan for it to be temporary until this new covenant, till Jesus could enter the scene. And we, we're in this book of Hebrews, and um, to really understand why the author of Hebrews is drilling into this so much, we have to understand this tension in this battle, that the original audiences feeling. They're feeling like they're in this tug of war. Am I supposed to still follow all 613 laws? Am I still supposed to go to the temple and offer these sacrifices on top of following Jesus? Like what, what am I supposed to do? They're in this tug of war. And he's saying, look, to be really clear about Jesus's intentions, I'm gonna pull something out of the Old Testament. I'm gonna pull this prophecy out of Jeremiah. I know that to you, it seems unlikely. I know that right now you're holding on to everything that's so familiar. I know that you're holding on to the things that have been passed down to you from your great grandparents and your grandparents and your parents, and you're looking back fondly on what was, but this whole thing was God's idea. This new covenant with Jesus was told to us way back then. Take a look. And instead of looking at the new and comparing it to the old, perhaps we need to look at the old and compare it to the new. See, the question isn't just how Jesus fit into the model that we had. The question is, how does the model that we had foreshadow to who Jesus is and to what he was gonna do in this new covenant. We need to open our eyes to see the whispers and the shadows, as we're gonna read in a moment, of the way that the stopgap was preparing us for the permanent solution, Jesus, our Messiah. The law, the priests, the tabernacle, the rituals, the ceremonies, all of them needed to be followed so specifically and precisely not so to make Jesus, his role and his job easier to fit into that old model. You know, I can only walk three steps. Well, that's pretty easy to fit in. No, because they were foreshadowing who Jesus was going to be, what Jesus was going to do. They were giving us a glimpse in all of their temporary and all of their limited of the vast love and the new covenant that Jesus was going to bring. Hebrews 8, five to six tells us this. They serve at a sanctuary that's a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established, on better promises. It's not how Jesus fit into the model that we had, but how that model prepared us for Jesus, our high priest who's superior to all the high priests that were before, Jesus whose covenant is superior to the old covenant, the old law that we had. Why? It's not that God changed his mind. I think we need to be really, really careful that we don't look at it and go, oh, well, everything that we were taught before is just all of a sudden different. Like all those things that we thought were wrong are now right, or all the things that we thought were right are now wrong. No. Holy is holy. Righteous is righteous. So what are these better promises that the author of Hebrews hints at? Well, I think William Barclay can sum this up better than I could in a million sermons. This is what he wrote. Under the old covenant, a man could keep his relationship with to God only by obeying the law, that is, by his own efforts. Now everything is dependent not on man's efforts, but solely on the grace of God. The new covenant puts men into relationship with a God who is still a God of justice, but whose justice has been swallowed up in his love. The most tremendous thing about the new covenant is that it makes man's relationship to God no longer dependent on man's obedience, but entirely dependent on God's love. The old covenant meant following 613 individual laws. It meant keeping track of every wrongdoing to be able to offer a sufficient penance. It was a law that kept people in bondage to their sin. As Hebrews 7 verses 18 and the beginning of 19 says, it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect. Being kept in bondage to our sin and our wrongdoing makes nothing perfect. But that's not the new covenant with Jesus. The new covenant with Jesus is one of grace. It's one of surrendering our brokenness, admitting that we are frail and broken and do wrong things, that we have done wrong things, that we are totally unworthy of a relationship with God, and we receive the sacrifice, the forgiveness of it all, once and for all. It isn't a relationship with God that's centered anymore around every small infraction being measured and tallied and held against us until we can make sufficient penance. That's not the relationship that we have anymore with God. The new covenant that we have with him is one of life and hope and of a relationship and a journey of looking more and more like him. It's not being tied back to the pain and the bondage that we had and and looking back and feeling like we're still tied to our sin. No, it's one where we're being beckoned. We're being shown the joy and the hope that is when God completely restores our heart. When he brings out who he created us to be, when he purifies us until he can see his own image reflected back in him. No, it's not a a new covenant that's centered around penalties and sacrifices, but of relationship and the gentle way that God has of changing our hearts. In every way, the new covenant that Jesus brought to humanity is superior to what we have that we're able to have this relationship with God, that every single person has been offered this freedom and forgiveness. And there are no prerequisites, there are no hoops to jump through, just this acceptance of who Jesus is an acknowledgement that he died on the cross to to be that atoning sacrifice once and for all and a choice to follow him. And this morning, if all you've ever known about Christianity is that, a list of do's and don'ts, and it feels like that old law of 613 laws to follow, and it sounds too good to be true, and you're, you've kind of been expecting that a relationship with Jesus would just be making sure that your life conformed to that do's and don'ts. Would you reach out? If you're exploring faith this morning, that's been a hurdle for you. You know, our team would love to chat with you, and there are going to be a couple numbers popping up. There's going to be a phone number if you want to talk to someone, uh, voice to voice, and there's going to be a text number if you would prefer to do that. Look, a journey with Jesus, a faith journey of looking more and more like him, it's not easy. Nothing about um, Christianity is this beautiful quick fix serum that you take and all of a sudden life is perfect. But what I know about Jesus is that he is full of grace and love and mercy. And if that has been your hurdle, I want to invite you to explore a new way, the new covenant, one that's not dependent on just what you can do, one that is dependent on surrendering and allowing God to do what he's supposed to do. Friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes like the, he- the audience in Hebrews, I can get stuck in stopgap thinking. I can kind of forget that there's a new covenant and revert back to seeing that my relationship with God is based on my own efforts, the law that was. The law that was based on all physical things is based on our actions and deeds. And so often I can get stuck in this trap of thinking that all that God really wants from me is the end result of holiness, that all he really wants is this end result of purity and righteousness, the end result of these do's and don'ts. But so long as, you know, I'm truthful and happy and hardworking and empathetic and fill in the blanks that I will be holding up my end of the covenant deal. And so long as the outward looks holy and righteous and sounds holy and righteous, then we're all good. That's the temporary. That's the stop gap thinking. Listen to Hebrews 8.10, and it's this quote from Jeremiah 31.33 that the author of Hebrews uses. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Stop gap thinking, stop gap Christianity cheapens the covenant that Jesus brought us by making it about behavior modification and not about a purifying relationship with him. If I can just say the right things, do the right things, be the right things, then surely God will love me. Surely I'll hold up my end of the deal, surely. But that's not what Jesus came to bring us. When Jesus was walking this earth, he had so many run-ins with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he had a lot to say to them, but this one interaction stands out to me for today. It's found in Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28. Matthew twenty-three twenty-five to 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That is the Old covenant. Take care of the external. Do the right things. Say the right things. Keep that impossible list of 613 laws. Striving, exhaustion, constraints, shame, guilt, death. But the old covenant, it wasn't perfect. It could never be perfect because it was only the foreshadowing. And so why do we get stuck in this stop gap thinking? when the new covenant is a much richer and fuller and deeper than that. Because the new covenant is allowing God to do the work on the inside, even if that means slow progress on the outside. The new covenant is surrendering to a God who loved you, who created you, who's able to begin to cleanse you from the inside out so that you can be truly clean a new covenant, a better way, because we have a new high priest who offers us the permanent solution of forgiveness and redemption. And as much as we have a personal responsibility of this to allow Jesus to tweak our thinking, to take us from the stopgap to the permanent church, I think we have a corporate responsibility as well. So often we celebrate and we value the external change over the internal change. If we give up stopgap thinking, it means that we need to have incredible grace and patience with one another. It means that we have to be okay if the journey of faith looks different than our personal journey of faith did. It means that we have to be okay with messy. It means we have to be okay with some of the ugly things that sin does, because we're not about perfecting the outside alone. We're about celebrating when God does the heart change. And oftentimes the heart change means a slow outside change. It means messy, but it means beautiful. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather celebrate messy and allow Jesus to do the heart work over somebody faking a mask so that they look like a whitewashed tomb or a clean cup from the outside only. Let's be people that pursue righteousness, not by behavior modification and changing what we say and do and sound like, but by surrendering to the God of the new covenant, the better way, the permanent solution. This morning, I want to end just by reading this over you as a prayer, Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 17 to 20. And go ahead and just write that down to look it up later. But let me just read this over you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. May you go, not in stopgap thinking, but as people who know what reconciliation means, is and who share that hope, not behavior modification, but the hope that we have a relationship with God, with the people around you. Well, I I did say that um, I had a great announcement coming for you, and I do, and that is that we are very excited to be joining back together in a very limited way over the summer. And we would love to chat with you um, in person if you have questions as to why it is so limited. We do have reasons and we would love to share them with you but I don't wanna take that much time right now. So tonight at seven o'clock, you will actually be able to go online onto our website and register for one Sunday slot and up to two prayer slots. And I'm going to give you all of those days in just a moment. Over the summer, we're going to have two Sundays where we hold church live here in the building. You'll have two uh, services each Sunday, but we can only accommodate a maximum of 50 people. If you count that all up, that means that we only have enough space for every person in our church to come to one slot out of the summer. And so those dates are July 12th and August 9th. We have service times at nine o'clock a.m. as well as 11 o'clock a.m. We do need you to register every person in your family, children included. They will need to sit with you, but we will have some special um, surprises for them there. So again, you can go to our website at 7 o'clock tonight to sign up for one of those four slots for Sundays, July 12th and August 9th at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You will also be receiving an email a couple days before your slot um, just to confirm that no one in your household has been showing any signs of sickness um, and that you haven't been in contact with anyone who has been. We also have six prayer nights coming up for the summer and you can choose Two to come to. We have a week of prayer happening in July, July 26th, 27th, and 29th, as well as a week of prayer happening in August, August 23rd, 24th, and 26th at 7. P.M. You can choose one July date and one August date to come to, and you don't want to come to more because we are just going to use um, the same prayer focus for that entire week of prayer slot. So you can come to one Sunday service, one July prayer night, and one August prayer night, and you can sign up for all of those tonight at 7 o'clock on myevangel.church. Uh, before we get to much further, we also have our teens meeting once again in the building at, t- at seven o'clock on Tuesdays. And if you have a student who is entering grade eight or who is born in 2007, this is the first Tuesday that they can come to youth, and we would love to have them there. We will also be sending out some correspondence specifically to parents and guardians on our email list. If you have preteens or children, That are entering grade one um, this fall, then we are going to have a special party for them later on in this summer. We also want to encourage you just to come by. If what we're doing is adding value to your faith journey, then we would encourage you to just help support uh, the ministry of Evangel Church financially. And so we are here until 12 o'clock today for Drive Through Generosity. We're also at the church office from 9 to 5, Monday through Thursday. And you can always give online at myevangel.church forward slash give. All right. Well, I think that is it for the announcements. And thank you so much for joining us today. So, Father God, I thank you that you are the one who brought the permanent solution. I thank you, Jesus, that you are our high priest and our atoning sacrifice and that you are our standard. But I thank you that you don't leave us to attain that standard on our own, but you, Holy Spirit, are with us, that you purify us, that you reveal God's heart to us, and that we are never on our own. And as we continue to walk this path of looking more and more like you, would you give us opportunities to share the hope that we have with those around us, Would you do the deep work from the inside out? And would you allow us to be people of grace and patience celebrating that deep work over the temporary? In your precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us, friends. Have a great Sunday.